You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and we've got a special episode for you today. It is all about Warhammer. In fact, it is the summer of Warhammer. So to talk about Warhammer with me, uh, I have Garrett Mulroney with me. Hey. All right, Garrett, you hey, are a friend no, of the no, show. No Jason, no Jason today? You, you know, you or something I heard? Uh, yeah, so he is celebrating his revolution around the sun once again. So one more time around the sun for him, and uh, I think his family has some plans for him. So uh, no Jason today, which, I mean, he would obviously be good to talk about Warhammer stuff with, but um, not here. And uh, our buddy Dan... Um, is I think still working on unpacking boxes. He moved <laughs> recently, so it's just me and it's just you. This is your second time on our show, so mm-hmm. you um, are gonna need a jacket or something. You know, <laughs> like Saturday Night Live, right? A pin or a ring or something. <laughs> yeah, something, something, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, before we get into all of our lovely Warhammer stuff, we're going to talk about Age of Sigmar, we're going to talk about Warhammer 40k, we're going to talk about Super Sports. Super so, Series. Super Series from the T-Sports fellas uh, from Honest War Gamer. Um, we don't have much information about that, but we're going to talk about it. And um, so before we get into that, though, how was your Geek Week, sir? What did you do? Uh, I had a fairly successful week, um, so I just finished up running another uh, tabletop simulator tournament. Uh, oh, we cool! We had sixteen people participating. Uh, myself, one of them. I ended up dropping after round two because one of my players uh, decided that his life was a little too busy and he had to drop. So I decided to drop myself to even out the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a pretty pretty successful turnout. Um, Who ended was, up winning? Um, so we didn't get the last game in they were supposed to play today uh the other two people who were undefeated but there was uh, a guy named kyle um and he had caradron overlords really uh, oh, okay three and oh and then the last game is seraphon versus uh, what was it iron jaws uh peter oh. uh the local out here peter actually nice uh, he is two he beat me in round two to go two and zero. Oh, now he's facing one of the uh, half the tournament was running Seraphon. And oh so my god! One of them made it to the undefeated. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> yeah. KO versus Corn, and KO got the win. And then um, we, I, I would love to see the final uh, match between uh, Seraphon and Iron Jaws. Well, it was Iron actually Jaws. Iron Jaws. It was Iron Jaws, not um, Big Wa, and he was okay. running Iron Sons. And I played against it, and it's uh, it's an interesting list. Um, okay, a lot of pigs. A lot of pigs. Yeah, uh, that's his thing, man. So uh, I also um, am starting up a third D and D campaign. Uh, so wow. uh, last last I was on here, I was starting up my uh, own homebrew campaign with some friends and then a friend of mine decided to start up i don't know if i talked about it on here but it's a deadlands yeah you mentioned that yeah, yeah so I, so that's been going well and uh, my wife wanted to start one up with her dad and so we're playing with um uh, her dad and her sister's fiance and then we added my our good friend austin who literally just plays everything with us because uh, he doesn't leave the house except to go to work in nursing school so um He's always available. 
so we're starting. I'm playing. I'm opening up the Ghosts of Saltmarsh module from D and D Five E. Oh, okay. So see how see how that goes. Um, but other than that, not a lot of hobby. Um, I've been staring at some Stormcast stuff that I've been using to add to my cities, armies, but practicing a lot of TTS before I really get into painting anything. That's kind of smart. I yeah. like that idea. Yeah. See if it works. Especially <laughs> right now where we have the time to not really commit to playing in tournaments, so I don't have any rush to really do anything. Yeah, so absolutely. Had, especially with the GHB dropping soon, um, I don't really want to commit to so. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the GHB a little bit later in the show, but the um, uh, speaking of painting... I've sort of just been plodding along doing my painting. I'm I'm doing pretty well, like with my um my orc army, you know. Um, it's coming along all right. We, we and... played a game on TTS. That was a that's a brutal list. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, I like it, and um, I think you know we'll talk about points changes yeah. as we get in the show. But I don't think that list will be too affected. I think I'd end up dropping five art boys. Well, that's actually pretty. Uh, it hurts you a little more than you would think losing our five art boys, though. Yeah, it does. I mean, so, it, it, yeah, it goes. I go from forty-five or boys to forty. Yeah. So we, we probably could late, sometime later talk about possible August solutions rather than losing our. Yeah, it's hot for another time. Exactly. Um, all right, and um, but that was just kind of a one for one, like pre, you know, general handbook, post general handbook. That's what you know. If I were to keep the same list, that's what it would look like. But um, anyway, so speaking of painting. Um, I have been on a terror painting up a bunch of Warcry bands um, for our GuildCon gaming convention that we're planning to do in early August. So um, I'm going to be running kind of a six-person, six to eight-person narrative campaign, uh, which will be a lot of fun. But uh, I got to make sure that the war bands are ready for the game. So I'm doing a bunch of painting. Sorry if you hear some scams. I have a seven-month-old puppy who decided he's going to run around the room. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Let's see. What else did I do? Oh, uh, I'm prepping my Rogue Trader campaign. We're starting a new arc in it. We just finished the last one. They killed a big giant orc war boss. And um, so next and is you, remind, be... you guys are doing Rogue Trader, not Dark Heresy, right? That's correct. Yep. The Rogue okay. Trader series. Yep. And uh, so they are going to be... Getting into a little bit more of uh, some chaosy craziness that's going on, so I think they're going to enjoy that. Did anybody end up playing the Rogue Trader class of Rogue Trader? Yes, actually, I've got one guy who played it, and then another guy who um, had to sort of pick up for the guy who had to leave the campaign. So, hmm. yeah. And then, do you guys do any of the space battles that were introduced in Rogue Trader, or do you guys kind of? We've, that? Yeah, yeah we've done a couple. Ones. We've done a couple of them. Yeah. Um, and they're okay, I think. Yeah. The, so we're doing it all online, right? And yeah. um, so I basically had to sort of set up a grid on a PowerPoint and mm -hmm. sort of pre-populate it with ships with firing arcs just so yeah. that people know if they're in range or not, you know? And they basically say, okay, I want to move the ship, you know, six squares up and then turn 90 degrees to the left. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what I have to do. And, it, you know, it works out for being online, it works out fairly well. Um, do you but, use the squares or hexes? I use squares. Hexes work a lot better because you get more, uh, the firing arcs are a lot easier to do because what you can do is just the lines of the hexes that connect, those create kind of these angles because the hexes kind of have these 30 degree angles built in. 
Yeah. You can do firing arcs a lot more, and you can do a lot uh, more nuanced turning. Um, yeah. It's one of the things that hex-based grid movement for like D&D people like, because you don't have to worry about angled movement as much. Right, right. Of how powerful angled movement is in squares, because hex-based movement, if there is no angles, you just connect hexes. And it's, so yeah. Um, yeah. you could look at doing hexes. It might improve That's your... That's not a bad hexes. idea. Yeah, it's not a bad idea at all. Um yeah, so you know the interesting thing with Rogue Trader though is it it, it took a learning curve for my guys. I mean they're used to playing D and D, and other like more D twenty based games, and this is a percentile based one. Yeah, you know, and so there was definitely a learning curve on like, okay, wait, how does this work? So when I make it difficult, they kept trying to add the number or take the number away from their roll rather than uh, add yeah. the number. You know what I mean? Instead of the yeah. target. And so, um, yeah, anyway, it, it, I think we're at a point now where we've, like, got a good handle on the system, and now we're able to kind of get more into, like, the role-playing of it. Yeah, I remember I, I played a Rogue Trader back then, and I abused a lot of rules, and I, <laughs> I was able to, like, add, what was it? It was something like, I would add, like, 100 and some, 110 to my commands checks or something like that when I was <laughs> on my ship bridge. Yeah. So I'd roll a D100 plus 110 or something. So I'd no matter what, have like six degrees of success yeah. every time I'd roll. Yeah. And so it's like you're doing ship battles, and it's like I would just send boarding pods, and for every degree of success, you do like a whole point of damage or something. So I'd do like yeah. eight whole points of damage, just murder flagships with just boarding pods. Yeah. Just, That's awesome. So, yeah, That's there's awesome. a lot of ways you can abuse the Dark Heresy system. With like like Space Marines get uh, huge bonuses to rolls, and my brother played it a bunch, and it was it was super. It's a super abusable system. It's a lot of fun to do crazy stuff, and it's it's kind of set up to abuse it too, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, it's deadly. It's super deadly. So it's like if you abuse yeah. it, you can just get shot in the face and die in one shot. Like this, it's <laughs> yeah. super deadly. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's it's a very uh, flavorful system, I'd have to say. Yeah, I've been having fun with it. Um, Humble Bundle was offering up um, Death Watch for like $15, and it came yeah. with like all these books. You know what I mean? And I'm like, for $15? Yeah, I'll pick that up, you know? So, <laughs> and then they have, they have the after Death Watch, they came out with you can play as Chaos Space Marines. Oh, do they really? That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, it, it, it was the successor to Death Watch. So they, uh, it went Dark, Dark Heresy was the first book. Yeah. Then Rogue Trader, and then they came out with Ascension, which completed their arc of going from a uh, henchman to being an Inquisitor. Okay. That was the full arc of that. And then um, then they came out with Death Watch, which they revamped the rules a bunch. And then they came out with, which you play as a Space Marine. And then they came out, I forget what it's called, but you basically play as Chaos Space Marines, and they further improved upon the Death Watch mechanics to make things a little bit more balanced yeah but, uh, okay yeah so the the, the chaos space room i believe was the last one they came out with and, and they're so coming the out with a new one called wrath and glory yeah but it, uh so fantasy flight is are the, they're the ones who came out with um dark ascension dark yeah, heresy, dark and, heresy. and even but, rogue uh, trader yeah was and, and ascension and death watch and i think okay. the guys who made soulbound ended up buying the uh license and yeah so they got cubicle all seven Cube, yeah so they they now I don't know if they use the same system as before, but they, uh, they, I know that they are coming out with new stuff for it now. Yeah, I mean, Cubicle Seven has all the Warhammer um, IP because they also do um, Warhammer um, Fantasy RPG. 
Yeah. So yeah. So they've got um they've got and then obviously they did Soulbound and all that. So mm-hmm. Which I've um, heard yeah. good things about. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. So anyway, I'm prepping that. And the other big geek week thing that I had this week was I just I binge watched Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Right. What is Unsolved Mysteries? Oh my gosh, buddy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So back in the eighties and early nineties, um, there was a show on called Unsolved Mysteries and it had uh this guy named Robert Stack and he had this like super creepy formal voice, you know? And mm-hmm. he was always like what would you do if you were abducted oh. by aliens? Yeah. No, oh, is, and it's the guy who plays Riker. And no, uh, no, no, that's Jonathan Frakes. But okay. that was that was a different one. Okay. Um, and it kind of had that one kind of had an unsolved mystery flavor. But this one, it would be it would be random stuff like, um, you in in one episode you would get like. Someone was murdered, and you like the case was cold, and you know they're interviewing people, and they were wildly speculating on what happened, you know, and there's all sorts of crazy theories, you know, um, and then in the next twenty minutes would be all about alien abductions, you know, that happened to somebody, and they would you know talk about it, and then the third one would be like a ghost in the thing, and it'd explore the past and why that ghost was there, and all this stuff, you know, and then, you know, other episodes would have somebody like fake their death to collect insurance money and they're on the lam, you know, so it was just basically like, it got into some weird supernatural stuff, but it was also like cold case murders and things like that, and um, it was great, and, you know, the show stopped airing, I think, in like 94, 95, something like that, but then it was like replayed constantly on the Lifetime Network, Mm. and um, so, anyway, they just rebooted it, and so Netflix has like six episodes, and they're a lot of fun to watch. My one of my favorite ones on there was so the first episode was um, this guy um, happily married gets a phone call, runs out the door at six thirty p.m. They never see him again. They find his body like eight to ten days later. He had somehow fallen through a roof of a hotel and died and nobody knows how or why that happened and so it goes all, all into like crazy theories like they found this letter he wrote that was all about like the masons and hmm. you know like it was pretty crazy stuff and then um you know like there's other stuff like maybe it was russian money because he was like an editor for uh, a financial newsletter or something like that you know so you know, and you just sit here go like weird, and then you know at the end of everything it says if you have anything that you might be able to add to help us solve this case, go to this website. You know, so <laughs> the interesting thing about unsolved mysteries now versus like the '90s is we have the internet. Yeah. Right. And so now, like Reddit is like got a whole subreddit for unsolved mysteries, and I mean, just people are in there going to go into town, and it is totally entertaining. I normally don't like to go to Reddit because it can get a little crazy, but the unsolved mysteries one is thoroughly entertaining. Nice. So, highly recommend it. I'm a big fan. Big fan. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's get to some news real quick. Uh, I don't have much for you, but I will say, speaking of Humble Bundle earlier, they now have a sale on Shadowrun 5th Edition. It's got the core rulebook. It's got a bunch of stuff, supplement stuff in there. It's a pretty good deal. Have you ever played Shadowrun, Garrett? I've never played Shadowrun. I've heard. I mean, obviously you can't live in the geek realm for 20 years like I have and not hear about it, but I've never experienced it. I've never looked into it. So Shadowrun is, 
a fun game in that the setting is amazing. I mean, think about it's it's like any kind of dark world, you know, sort of like t- Blade Runner is probably the best kind of example. Yeah, it's like you it's know. like a cyberpunk yep. fantasy thing, right? Yep, absolutely. Cyberpunk is a perfect yeah, that perfect genre. And um so you know, it, it's kind of cool because you could do hacking, and like that includes like mind hacking and hacking into systems, and there's also sort of magic that happens as well. You know, so you got like technology and magic, and then you got your you know your guns and all sorts of stuff right there. So it's a fun game. The problem, in my opinion, with Shadowrun is that um, it is very mechanics heavy. To the point where we just did an episode last episode, which was mechanics versus fluff, you know, yep. which is, you know, can mechanics get in the way of a good RPG? And they absolutely can, <laughs> you know, and I yep. think Shadowrun is a great example of that. Um, but, dude, the people who are into Shadowrun are in it and they yeah. know that book like forwards and backwards. You I'm know. a huge fan of mechanics, so I might have to check game out like i i i know that mechanics can get in the way of yeah narrative i mean have you, have you ever heard of the rpg twilight 2021 i think it's called uh-uh. it's a post-apocalyptic rpg where basically in like 2021 the nuclear war happens and like all civilization breaks down and oh nice so you okay build your char- you like build your character up but it's like so unbelievably mechanic heavy it's like it's it tries to be as realistic as possible. Yeah. Of like it handles, you know, uh, wounds getting infected after gunshot wounds and like disease and uh, fuel for uh, cars and stuff and how to wow. make ammo and all these rules. Um, it did have one of like the coolest initiative systems though, where you'd like roll and you'd get a number of resources. Um, like you get like pips or something like that uh-huh. and like so if you really like you get 21 let's say and then every action would cost a certain number and it really balanced like rifles versus pistols because pistols required very few actions to use while rifles required a lot of actions to use oh interesting and then they made it if you're using a weapon in too close of their optimal range like using a sniper rifle in a fair like they have an optimal range of long and you're yeah. using it in close quarters, it would cost more pips to use because in close quarters combat, a, a sniper rifle takes way longer to aim than it would be if you're just like out on long range. And so they yeah. made it so weapons inside their uh, optimal range would cost uh, more time to fire, but outside of their optimal range, they take uh, penalties to fire. So it was, it's this cool system where it's like if you rolled really high, you could squeeze off like you know a bunch of shots before somebody even got to go who rolled lower. And or you could like conserve your actions to do something more uh, that would take longer or stuff like that. So it was really interesting, uh, but it was a very complicated system, and it definitely could get in the way of actually uh, exploring the narrative. So you know, the interesting thing is, I'm not opposed to complicated systems. You just have to be in a group of people who want to do that. Yes, I agree. You know what I mean? Because if you are in a if you're in a mixed group where like two or three people out of your five group or you know five person group or six person group or whatever. Want, or are really into it, then those two or three people are going to like love it on another level, and the rest of the people are just going to give up. Yeah, and I'm just going to exactly. be like, you just tell me what you want me to do. And then it doesn't become fun at that point, right? Yeah, I, I've had some people where I just see them gloss over, and I'm just like, you're not really participating. No one's having fun. Let's try to switch gears. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Definitely. We're getting too so, deep into this mechanic stuff. <laughs> yeah, you maybe maybe go on to hum- Humble Bundle, man, and check out yeah. Shadowrun. You may love it. Now, I will say that the setting has sort of a reskin on the Genesis system. You're familiar with the Genesis system, right? Not really. So, you're are you familiar with the Star Wars RPG system and the yeah. narrative dice? Uh, which Star Wars RPG? So this is the Fantasy Flight Games one. Okay, that one, yes, I'm aware yeah. of that system. So they've got that where you, like, roll a triumph or a despair or, mm-hmm. you know, success versus failures, you know? Yep. And that kind of drives the story. So that system with the narrative dice is called the Genesis system. And okay. what they've done is they've taken it, stripped out the Star Wars IP, but the, the engine of it, is you know become the Genesis thing, and now they've reskinned it with different modules. So they have, um, uh, gosh, what is the? F- they have a fantasy version, and and the name of it's just slipping my my mind right now. I want to say Terraria, but that is a Xbox or that's a game. That is a <laughs> it's game. Not Terraria. It has. Fun fact: Terraria had its final update. It is no longer going to be updated by the. Developers. No way! Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, there's a there's a skin for it called Android, and it is Shadowrun, but with these narrative dice. So it doesn't have the 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 mechanics that make Shadowrun super complicated have been completely streamlined. And I've played Android and had a blast doing it. Um, and the people who have played Shadowrun that are in our gaming group um, swear by the Android reskin versus the Shadowrun mechanics okay. because it's so much easier to run. So um, anyway, buyer beware, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, dude, let's get into our Warhammer stuff. Let's talk yeah. about that. Uh, all right, so it is the Summer of Warhammer, and I'm calling it that. I told Garrett earlier I'm calling it the Summer of Warhammer because... So um, much Warhammer this so summer. So much Warhammer this summer. I mean, there's a there's a big update to Age of Sigmar and the, the you know, General's Handbook, and we'll we'll call it the GHB moving forward, but the General's Handbook... Isn't GHB a uh, date rape drug? It is, dude. I, <laughs> I, I, I did that right. so the other day. It's a funny story. I googled GHB 2020. Right, which is you know the General's Handbook 2020. So I googled GHB 2020, and it came up with all these stats on date rape, and I'm like, this is not where I want to be. This is not where. I be. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I found out the hard way that the GHB is a date rape drug. Date rape drug, but anyway, for all intents and purposes in this podcast, it means the General's Handbook. So um, what is the General's Handbook, Justin? So the General's Handbook is basically. A yearly update that Games Workshop does to Age of Sigmar, and it, it does a couple of things. One, it updates missions. It'll give us either some new missions or it'll take old missions, and sort of give them a re, you know, a, a refreshing so that you know there's different objectives that are going on. Um, it also gives us some points changes for models. Those are like the big things, um, so that you know now different units will cost different points, and that could lead to some interesting combinations for your armies or tear up your current lists that you may have because they've <laughs> all of a sudden become too expensive. And uh, let's see, what else does it do? It uh, can update rules as well um, yeah. that we have. So this this GHB that we have coming up is a little... It's been a little controversial with some of the leaks that have been coming out, don't you think? Um. Well, I feel like it's controversial to people who uh, don't really believe in balanced gameplay. Yeah, sure. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, like, it's, it's been scandalous in a good, it, it, not scandal, controversial in a good way, in my opinion. I guess, yeah. Like, I wouldn't, controversial makes us feel like it's, like, some people are upset with it, but, like, those people are just being silly. Like, they're not looking at the big picture. It's very true. So, what would you say is the biggest, so, to be fair, for everyone listening, the General's Handbook comes out on Saturday. They've yeah, given us pre-order last Saturday. Yeah, pre-order started last Saturday, and the week up leading up, I mean, this is this is Games Workshop's sort of PR campaign for it, is they'll give us snippets and previews as we move along. Now, playtesters have you, had you this just, for a while. Uh, get French copies from all right, the exactly. French who just leak the crap everywhere. Yeah. By the way, I speak French. You could have given those to me, and I could have translated them. Oh, okay. Uh, we had our French overlord translator for us today. Oh, well, that's good. The um, the German ones, though, I am no help with because we okay. got those before, right? Yeah, that, that was the <laughs> last time we had the German ones. Yeah, this time it was the German Lumina. Book. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so we also get a bunch of leaks b- beforehand, and that's sort of. To be honest with you, I was thinking about this the other day. I think Warhammer actually is totally okay with the leaks. Um, they aren't, uh, and we'll get to that when we get to 40k. Okay. Uh, so they they aren't okay with it, but they know that if they throw a fit about it, it's going to be bad PR. So they just silently let it happen. Yeah. They know the they know the internet is too powerful, and so they're not going to try do anything about it. You know the interesting they, thing they, they though is that... to be a, they they've tried yeah. to come ahead of it by doing as you said, releasing snippets and leaking things themselves, right. trying to generate interest. Uh, but the overall full blown leak everything. They oh yeah. They wish they could. They wish they could stop that. They know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it more in forty k. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so the biggest change uh, is honestly the uh, realm rules. The realm, yeah, the realm stuff, which is yeah. huge because they had a whole supplement. Mm-hmm. that dealt with realm stuff realm spells realm artifacts right like yep. and the realm the, the malign that was malign sorcery malign yep. sorcery let any hero in your army take an artifact if they declared that they were from a certain realm so like i could declare my orcs were from the realm of shaish mm-hmm. right and that gave me a list of artifacts that i could take and so i would say well ethereal amulet which gives me a uh you know a basically ethereal you know property to my guy and and keeps and and ignores rend i can put this on my big dude and he becomes sort of this death star monster because he doesn't die yeah exactly it's one of those problems where uh rend is not rend is uh high armor saves are not so prevalent in 40 in age of sigmar because uh, hit rolls tend to be lower, and number of a shooting attacks, the number of attacks tend to be lower. Yeah. Um, and they make up, and a lot of people make up for it in low quantities of attacks that have high rend. Yep. Um, so, it, but people who the few three up saves you have out there um, tend to be super powerful, and then when you make them unrendable, it kind of shifts the balance a little more than they should have. Yeah. So there, there is a lot of things like that. I will say. The point of the Malign Sorcerer artifacts was when the Malign Sorcerer came out, about half the books didn't really have any, if any, good artifacts. Like a That's lot of books true. had a few artifacts that were bad or no artifacts at all. Like Seraphon didn't really have any artifacts. Because a couple of the armies had allegiance abilities that were just kind of half assed in old General's handbooks. And so. Because. 
Malign Sorcery came out just before AOS 2.0, right? Yeah, it came out with AOS 2.0. With AOS 2.0, same you're absolutely right. Same release as AOS 2.0. Same release as Soul Wars, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. And uh, yeah, um, so yeah, it's so the as soon as Soul Wars came out, we had a massive uptick in release schedule. So it's like Soul yeah. Wars came out, we had uh, seven books come out between Soul Wars and 2019. Or is a yeah, it was about nine books between Soul Wars and 2019, and then we had 12 books from 2019 to 2020. So there were a lot yeah. of books that were in need of updates, and Malign Sorcery was a stopgap to try to right. give other people a like options. And the other thing that was in there was the realm spells, was because many people didn't have their own faction spell lores, and right. so they were attempting to give people uh, their, some spells to help out. The problem was is that it kind of benefited the people who didn't need it, people who had their own spell lores. Well, the realm spells just gave them more options. Yeah. People who had art, their own artifacts, the art, the other facts in the Mind Sorcery were sometimes just better and, it, again, gave them even more options. And so the, the attempt of helping the weaker, older, un, not updated factions was just exacerbated by also updating and buffing all the people who didn't need it. Yeah, yeah. So, and and when, when Magic became kind of a big thing, which was, you know, the release of AOS 2.0, mm-hmm. um, those factions who got books that had their own spell lores in them also came with casters who could cast them very well. Exactly. Right? And so now you had casters who could also cast these realm spells in the Malign Sorcery book, and all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, it was supposed to be Nurgle that benefited from this book, you know, but yeah. it's really Nighthaunt. <laughs> That yeah. does it really well, or something, you know. Like, and I'm well, just talking well, you about had, you had Nagash there who could cast eight spells a turn at plus yeah. three to casting. Yeah, and it's like, well, he has his three, four spells that he knows, plus four more realm spells. Yeah, um, it had gotten so bad that many areas around the world were talking about banning. Many of them did just not use realm spells. Right, In the early days, people were talking about banning realm artifacts. I mean, it was it was a massive power gap at times, and people were desperately trying to figure out what to do about them because it was like gw why did you thrust this problem on us eventually yeah. everyone kind of just like screw it we're just going to use the books that gw gave us but now this ghp came out yeah um well and so so this one comes out and it sort of negates the realm from what i understand the realm spells and the realm artifacts right yep it actually also negates the realm rules in the core rule book which is kind of crazy. that one's a little crazy to me uh, uh, not not so much to me because the point of the matched play again these are actually only realm rules for matched play. Right. If you want to play in narrative play or open play? Feel free to do whatever you want. You can still malign sorcery is still legal. It's not gone. These are matched play realm rules. And honestly, yeah, the realm rules in the core rulebook were not written for matched play. They weren't. They the for for I mean, for Christ's sake. Sorry, but this is like the realm of beasts, Gur. The whole realm rule was both players were supposed to bring a monster of their choosing, yeah. put him on the field, <laughs> and then it would just run around and murder stuff. And it's like in a tournament, you can't just have people be bringing, oh, well, I want to bring a magma dragon because I own one, and I'm just going to put it right in front of your lines, and it's going to murder you. Yeah. I got 500 extra points added to my armory because we're playing in Gur. It, it wasn't, but in from a narrative standpoint, it's super cool. Like, hey, I have right. um, this 
a mock crusher. No, you can't use a mock crusher because you can't get it. A, a war mammoth that has no rider on it and a carmine dragon. I want to use these models, but we'll never do. Let's just put them on the battlefield and see what happens. Yeah. Super cool, but it doesn't work for tournament play. No, not so, at all. Not at all. The realm rules in the core rulebook are super interesting and thematic. Like the realm of shadows, straight up can cut ranged attacks down to six inches. Yeah, and cool. There goes cities of Sigmar as a faction. There goes Caradron <laughs> uh, Overlords as a faction. You, you only have a six-inch range gun. Like people are like, if we ever play with this realm rule in tournaments, like we're screwed. This is dumb. And that is uh, why you only saw like Shaiish and yeah. Haish and uh, 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 the Fire Realm. Well, actually, had its own problems, but Tyrin um, yeah. was popular. Most of them were pretty good, but there, like, actually, had a realmscape feature where if you shot guns from over twelve inches away, all the guns got an extra rend. It was like, holy right. crap! Yeah, like yours, like ranged weapons are now overpowered. It, it had its balance issues. Yeah. So eliminating all the realmscape features, eliminating like they also had the realm uh, spell that yeah one spell that came in the core rulebook and the realm command ability yeah like Haish was an always strike for his command ability it was really really powerful and yeah was... jason and i played with that the other day and normally i'm doing pretty well on command points like when you and i played i, I had command points for days mm -hmm. right when he and i played we were always trying to outdo each other on the strike first yeah so and i ran out of command points that i lost a unit of ard boys and i couldn't bring them out because i didn't didn't have any command points left <laughs> yeah so it, there was some serious balance issues when the realm rules were first introduced they were an yeah. attempt to bring a very negative or not not negative narrative sense to age of sigmar like you are playing yeah. in realms you should have realm rules but the match play people felt that realm rules were very thrust upon them and had a very kind of negative feeling for a lot of people mm -hmm. initially mm -hmm. so i'm very happy with these changes like, yeah, I am to too. For the most part, I mean, I think I think that the I mean the big change, like we talked about with the artifact going away, that has some serious implications on list building. So look mm -hmm. at my orcs, right? I can choose between a name, and, and I don't have to, but I'm just saying that I have the choice between a named Makrusha Gordrak or a not named Makrusha. And if I gave him the ethereal amulet from the realm of Shaiish. He was arguably better than the named one. Oh yeah, and, hands down. It's not. It's not even arguably better. He's yeah, objectively better. Yeah, and so <laughs> the you no, know, you're absolutely right. And so the thing is, is you sit here and you go, well, wait a minute. Should that be? I mean, a named yeah. character who costs more points should not be better than a, worse, a, yeah. a vanilla version of him. Yeah, you know, like I mean, it shouldn't it, be that way. It also like you, the problem was is that there are so many great artifacts in all of these books but nobody even bothered with them because like yeah. you know their ethereal amulet or the ignax scales or the thermal rider there's all these artifacts that are just auto takes in the general in yeah the realm. absolutely like, you're just like why would you not take them so uh, it's going to be cool because it's going to force people to start playing their armies more right as mm -hmm. as they were designed and what's cool about that, in my opinion, is like all of a sudden, like Slanesh is going to look like a Slanesh army because of the artifacts and command traits well, that they're taking. Slanesh honestly didn't—they didn't abuse it as much as others. Oh no, I'm just—I'm just throwing that out there as a okay. thing, right? Like Sylvaneth will look like Sylvaneth. The orcs will look like orcs. Like instead of taking an ethereal amulet, I'm going to take Metal Ripa that has a Ren three. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden that's more orky than not being able to be hit. You know what yeah, I mean? I, I, so. think, I think with the loss of the blind sorcery artifacts, people are going to take a good hard look at 
their own artifacts, and I think certain ones that were glossed over are going to see the new light of day. Like, as you said, Metal Ripper. I've never heard of that, but wow, Rend 3. I mean, there was a realm artifact that gave Rend. Those were such things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the other big things is the realmscape features have been super streamlined. Basically, each realm just turns all terrain into using a specific mysterious terrain. Like, actually, everything's volcanic. Aish, everything is mystical. Gyrin, uh, everything is, I believe, healing. Uh, yeah. The one I like is Olgu, everything is entangling, which is, co- or uh, not entangling, overgrown. Yeah. The cool thing about Olgu is, like, so they, they kind of balance that thing of, like, oh, well, shooting attacks need to be, you know, reduced in range in Olgu. Well, why don't you just make all the terrain block line of sight for non-flying creatures? Yeah. Fine. It's a simple. They, they, I like the elegant, simple solutions that are coming out of these roads. I totally agree with you, and I mean the thing is, is you always set up a game right, and then you're like, "All right, you're ready to roll for terrain," <laughs> you know. And I mean, there's we still always might a roll for terrain. Like we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't roll. That's fair. I, that's fair. I think we're still gonna roll for mysterious terrain because it would be weird if in match play they go, you know, arcane and commanding and uh, entangling and all of those other mysterious terrain rules. Yeah, well, you'll never see them anymore. All those terrain dice that you uh, sell, yeah. all all those things. Like, I, I don't see GW getting rid of terrain rules. I just think that these will be in addition because it'll Interesting. just add okay. some flavor. That's my opinion. Uh, I don't know yet. I, I wouldn't be players. surprised if they just said, here's the realms, and, and then the tournaments are just like, just use the realms as it is. You know what I mean? And those other those other terrain, mysterious terrain things are for open and narrative. Maybe. We'll, so we'll, we'll see. The, we'll uh... see. You're absolutely right. Like it wasn't. It wasn't very clear on that. But um, if it is streamlined, I like the idea of it just being like, okay, we all know what it is. Let's just let's play our game. Yeah. You know. So uh, um, kind of interesting. Yeah. And then the other thing is everything's reduced down to one spell, which for most of the realms was the spell that came from the core rulebook, like Fire yeah. Elf, uh yep. Shield of Thorns for a guy uh, What's the other? They got rid of Fa's protection, which is good. Um, yeah, they, got, so ri- they got rid of the abusable ones, like Boss Protection. They got rid of, um, and the useless ones, like the Shaish one, was like not really useful. Right. Um, yeah, I figured I had to go back and look at all the other ones. But yeah, the realm rules are a lot more streamlined. Away. I think it's good. From what I saw in their um, preview, right, it looked like it was like half a page for a realm thing, which it was two pages in in the, the oh, yeah, online sorcery. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Plus, two, plus um, a whole page of uh, artifacts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think I think it will be a good thing. Um, let's talk about points changes. I don't want to get into like like details and details, right? Mm-hmm. But if you could choose like a big winner and big loser from some of the previous stuff that you saw, like what would you what would you say? Well, the reality is it's too early to tell because half it the is. factions that were released aren't going to get updates in the GHB. They're going to get updates <laughs> in the FAQ that comes after. That's Basically, a very good point. So we got another was, month. Anything that was released after any battle tone that was released after GHB 2019 are not in GHB 2020. Is it that long? Yep. Because it was it cities, is, right? Well, actually, cities of Sigmar are not updated in GHB 2020. So it's anything released before cities, and the book oh. before cities of Sigmar was GHB 2019. No kidding. I thought it so was the, uh, cities uh, after cities, but I guess it was cities and after. Yeah, so there are some uh, there are some leaks about what's going to come in that, and that's from uh, some NDA breakers. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, it's it's hard to tell what the winners and losers are. There's a lot of uh, soft touches. Um, that's what I. That's kind of the flavor that I got. Like I, I was looking at my own faction, and it was just kind of like a few points here, a few points there. Nothing that would like totally break me, like in the army that I was running. But I'm gonna have to make a couple of minor adjustments. I would say probably the biggest change in general would be uh, Stormcast Eternals. I wouldn't call that, them the biggest winner because right. they're still probably having problems. But like, I think not, nothing. A one battalion went up in points. And at, like almost every single war scroll went down. Liberators went down. Judicators went down. They went down by a lot too, huh? Uh, not a whole lot. Most things went down by ten points across. Okay. So basically, everything across the board went down ten points. Um, it's like you could you could end up with like a hundred and almost two. I think I built a list that had two hundred points more uh, wow. than it, what it would have. Uh, yeah, it didn't look I mean, like that great. That's of a ten list. more liberators, right? Yeah, well, Liberators are 90 points now. Wow, okay. So, yeah, um, it wasn't. It didn't look like that great of a list, but it's an interesting list. The interesting thing, yeah. though, is with Stormcast all dropping, is that Cities of Sigmar benefit a ton. Because I use a lot of Stormcast uh, in my Cities, actually. Yeah, like, I use Fulminators, and uh, Knight and Cantors dropping 20 points is insane for Hollowheart. Um, just, like, a lot of those things are actually going to benefit Cities a lot more than they are Stormcast. So you're yeah. gonna get like come come in the winter time when we do the other you know fact update, the frequently asked questions update and points adjustments. Um, it's gonna be like um, you know since you're using uh, I, and I'm just gonna throw this out there like evocators or whatever in your in your cities list, they're gonna get the grim gas reaper treatment where they go up in points just because they're being used in cities, <laughs> right? And not right, in yeah. stormcast like they're totally overcosted. Or they're, they're totally overcosted for their own list, right? But because yeah, they're being well, used, abused in another list, then they'll go up in points. Yeah, like, uh, it's really interesting because a uh, well, thing that's becoming very popular in living cities is using Dracoth Guard, either Desolators or Fulminators. Uh -huh. And outside of living cities, you know, they're pretty decent. But in living cities, because they can move after they shoot and they can ambush... Like, they're super easy to get into combat all of a sudden, and they're super yeah. durable. Like, the one weakness of them is eliminated entirely by uh, um, the Living City. So it'll, it'll be interesting. And then all, all the Dracoth Guard all went down 20 points. So oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> yeah, like, every like so it's just like, all of a sudden my list that had four Fulminators just gained 40 points. And I was like, ooh, tasty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, awesome. but it's hard to say. I need, I'll need i need to see if, like, KO is looking like it'll get a huge huge boost on the points if the leaks are true right um like it, i've been looking at some i saw that leaks. some of those went down a lot yeah like oh well, i mean uh ironclads went down 30 or looking to go down 30 points and frigates are looking to go down 30 points like talking to matt he's looking at a list with three ironclads in it oh my like, gosh oh my god that would be terrifying i don't know if you've played iron against an ironclad yet but i have maybe, well, not recently, but I played against one at the Nova Open, and it shot my entire heroes off before they could do anything. Yeah, now imagine three of them. Yeah, no, exactly. It's yeah. horrifying. And he still had, like, 30 Arcanaut Company on top of that. He had, like, oh three gosh. units of 10 Arcanaut Company and three Ironclads plus, uh, like, two heroes. And it was like, holy crap. And that's all now possible. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens afterwards. Um yeah, I'm hesitant to say biggest winners and losers as of yet. Uh, Which we uh, so we talked about some that benefited. Do you, like as our faction that went up in points? 
Honestly, I, I don't think so. I, I can't think uh, of one GHB right In the GHP itself, hand. none. Um, yeah. No, nothing it, outside of the GHP. Like, I think OBR are going to get hit, and yeah. Seraphon are going to get hit, and Zeech is going to get hit. hit. But those are all in the uh, FAQ. Which is interesting, because I think that it tells you... Well, I, I think it shows that the last points adjustments were probably pretty good for what we got. You know what I mean? For, uh... like, in... in I don't know. Well, okay. Here's my th- here's my thoughts. If anything released post GHB 2019 uh-huh. is not in GHB 2020, basically GHB 2020 is a year behind on the meta as far as points that's, changes. That's a good point. So things like Stormcast, it's like, oh yeah, they went down a little. They're still not on par with freaking Zinch or Seraphon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this faction got t- like I'm looking at my Sylvaneth, and it's like, like half the armies they had asterisks next to them, but all that is is putting the points from the FAQ that they did last year back into the GHB, and so it's like, oh. like, I, yeah. honestly, we have come to the point where putting points in the general's handbook is pointless. They should just release an FAQ every, like they should do every army in the errata every year. That way, like yep. they could have updated Stormcast four months ago rather than a year ago right right like, so like we, we have grown past pointing points in the ghb is is the problem that's um, a that's a i think that's a very good point because yeah. um and correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't 40k adjust points twice a year they they do they instead of the ghb they have the chapter approved so yeah and that comes um, out two times a year yeah uh no once a year once a year okay it's the exact same thing as the chapter approved okay. is the same thing as ghb Although they they were the first ones to have an errata on points, and then yeah. uh, Sigmar far maybe yeah I think it was they had the first ones they had to fix Imperial Knights because they were just absurd when the book mm-hmm. came out, yeah. um, and then uh, Sigmar did it in full force with you know updating six books with an errata, so yeah we'll yeah. have to we'll have to see but honestly like. I would prefer if GHB didn't have any, so because it takes like nine months to a year for a book to go from from going to the printers to yeah. to the people to us right, consumers. Right. That's a nine months. And, like, and really, and, we just need a PDF. That's all yeah, we need. Exactly. And so I, I wish that they would just not sell us points in the GHB. Use the GHB to sell new rules that update that shift the meta and focus more on the missions. Yep. And yep. then because those things are less impacted by factions and new faction releases in the meta shifts. Those things kind of determine the meta, which I'm okay with those being updated once a year. And points just need to be fully digital so they can update the whole game four to yeah. five months before it released yeah. rather than a year before the release. So. Yeah, man, they should just do it twice a year. Because, they, I mean, they do the, the FAQs and the erratas twice a year, right? Yeah, so. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with... Uh, points being updated once a year but i want every faction to be updated really close to that one year mark not updated yeah. in the book that was printed that was put to production nine months ago that's a good point. The game has okay. radically changed in nine months that the points that they put like i look at sylvaneth and i'm like ooh, colonel hunters went down 10 points <laughs> and that and dreitcha went down 20 that's it yeah. that's all i got and i'm like yeah that literally changes nothing right great right i can in, with my 12 to uh, 15 Colonel Hunters, I gained 50 points. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, yeah what does that great. do? Nothing. It gives so, you a command point. So, yeah. Uh, 
that's that's my thoughts on the points thing. Oh, um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about with the GH the GHB coming out, um, and this this caused a little bit of a stir. Oh, was yeah. that you can now create your own heroes? Oh, yeah, but that's that is a narrative rule. I mean, yeah, people, but they specifically going... called it out for match play though in the in the preview. I don't think. No, I don't they, think it's going to happen. All right, so I, so let me let me give I, our I listeners a little bit of a background. I do not think they called it out specifically for match play. That was the narrative play guide that was revealing them. Okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So for our listeners, uh, you normally have your characters that come out in your boxes, right? You get the you buy the character, you put it together, you know, you you, you get it all ready to go. It's a named character, and now what they're saying is that for your heroes. You can kind of create it, and what's interesting is they're sort of using like backgrounds from the RPG. Have you noticed that they're kind of using some of the archetypes from the RPG? Is what they were sort of leaning I, on. I didn't even look rules. at these rules because I know that they're not going to be used in at least United States. Yeah. So I can't so, even bother looking at. It. <laughs> so so they're like there's certain ancestries that you can take from you know and they're based on again the soulbound rpg a little bit so i think there's some interesting crossplay, and i think that it leans obviously more towards the narrative but apparently you're given destiny points you have like 20 destiny points and you can buy certain things you can buy like abilities you can buy if they have a mount you can buy if they have like magic you know like all these things and apparently every destiny point you spend on that hero to create it um, that's how you multiply that by 10 and that's how many points it costs in your list. So I could, I could make myself a war chanter on a Gorgrunta. You know okay. what I mean? So here, he's a little here, piggy that can deal. follow along. Here's the deal. Yeah. GW yeah. is smart enough that they know that, uh, pitch battle profiles, the point system is what everyone uses for both narrative and open play in addition right. to match play. Yep. So yep. they put out this point system for their, uh, hero buy system. So that when people are wanting to play an open or narrative game, yeah, they have a base, a point-based system to base their stuff on, so that people can balance heroes against each other. Tournaments yeah. are not going to let you use custom. Dude, I totally agree with you. I totally agree <laughs> with you. But in the preview and in the rules, they showed it in the rules, right? Um, from their snapshot, it said this can be used in matched play. And now here's the caveat: if the TO approves it. <laughs> Yeah. So, no TO is going to approve it, though. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think I, in our chat I asked, so on a scale of zero to zero, what's the chance of this going through? <laughs> so, some TOs, like I know there are many tournaments, uh, like maybe NashCon or uh, some of the Midwest events, they will probably allow this. Um, yeah. Rent 4 will probably allow it because those are more narrative-driven tournaments. Yeah. Uh, but like... LVO, probably not going to allow it. SoCal Open, probably not going to allow it. Nova right. Open, probably not going to allow it. Like, yep. no. So, yeah, I don't 100%. know. I may be wrong, but, like, I wouldn't if I was a team. But listen, a lot of people were really excited about it. Oh, really it sounds excited. awesome. I think it's a really cool thing. Yeah. Uh, but it, it doesn't belong in competitive. And it totally encourages kit bashing, right? So, like, mm -hmm. I can take an extra Gorgrunta if I wanted to, if I had an extra piggy and... Put a war chanter on there and let yeah, him go no, do his business. I, I, I'm all for that. I think it's a fantastic idea. I love the idea. I just don't. It, it just adds another layer of abusability. I don't think the competitive. Balance. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's not hundred. I, I guarantee you that that is not one hundred percent place tested because they have not put every combination together and exactly. said nope, this is balanced, right? And yeah. I'm sure that there's some build in there that's just like would be a wrecking ball. Yeah, exactly. So. Or is it, 
reality is, is that with any system where you give a bunch of point-based systems, someone is going to math out the most optimal way to build X, Y, Z, and it's going to be yeah. uh, like, oh, well, I built this 180-point character that is more effective than most 280-point characters, and what are you going to do about it? Because I found out all the... And it's, it's going to cause one more thing that GW needs to constantly uh, update and balance uh, with everything else. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's our Age of Sigmar stuff. Uh, there's some exciting changes. I'm excited to get my book on Friday or Saturday, depending on Saturday. when. I'm, I'm just going to buy the hand. digital release on Saturday. So, so I, um, just as a shout out to uh, our friend Dutch, um, he has opened his online store, Crimson Fields Gaming. Um, and you can find that uh, at uh, crimsonfieldsgaming.com. Is that, is that the address? It, yeah, I think it's crimsonfieldsgaming.com. Um, anyway, I got a great deal from him. Um, you should, if you're looking at Warhammer, that's all he has at this moment. So, um, I'll let you guys know when he starts getting in, you know, other licenses and other IPs in. Um, but right now he just barely got his GW license. He got me a great deal on, um, the General's Handbook. He got me a great deal on some of his used stuff that he has. I got some Space Marines from him. He's, a, he's great for weeks. selling used stuff, I'll say. I gave him... Back when he first started, yeah. I gave him this box of just random crap. Like, it was just like, here is a bunch of random 40K stuff I have. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, just give me 50 bucks and you'll have the whole thing. He's like, no, 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 that's not how I operate. I sell the stuff and then I give you what I, I got minus 25% cut. I was like, fine, whatever. And I thought, I was like worried that this old, weird 40K stuff would take forever to sell. In like one week, I got a, he gave me a PayPal thing for $75. I was like, oh, holy crap. That was like way more than I was expecting. I mean, it was like $200 worth of stuff, but yeah. I, it's been sitting on my shelf. It's been, it's used and abused. And I was just like, the best thing in it, I had a new inbox battle wagon. I was like, those things are 70 bucks new or something. I'm like, just 50 yeah. bucks and you get the whole thing. And I, I ended up getting like almost $100 from him. So that oh, means nice. he sold it for what, $125 worth of stuff. Okay. I was like, and he sold it in like all of it. Like, one to two weeks so he does good he does good work on secondhand selling and yeah you got stuff so you he, want to sell yeah he he does buy and sell right use stuff and in fact i picked up um 10 intercessor space marines for 40 bucks ish yep. from him which new in the box is 50 something yeah right, from gw so you know i got it for uh 20 off essentially and, and i mean they were unpainted uh assembled and unpainted so like that's fine you know yeah um and you know a bunch of other stuff used but i did get the ghb new i got um the indominus box new mm -hmm. and dude he saved me some money i'm not yeah. gonna lie no, he's a, he, he takes care of his people yeah so <laughs> check him out crimsonfieldsgaming.com if you need any warhammer stuff he's the guy to go to let him know that justin uh from tabletop gaming sent you um and uh he'll take care of you for sure so tabletop and beyond don't you know your own yes did i say tabletop gaming tabletop <laughs> and beyond the <laughs> podcast yes that's what i meant 